Welcome to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast, where we invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience, heal your heart while refining your character, and set you up to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. I'm your host, Karen McMahon founder of Journey Beyond Divorce. My divorce brought me to my knees and it also transformed me and set me on this path to help you. Let's exercise every last sec, every last ounce of love and willpower and, and because we don't want you to have to get divorced. If you have this much left in the tank, Still fight for it. God can break that open real fast, but you will know if you're really done. And when you're really done, you're going to have to dance between detachment, forgiveness, and compassion. There'll be days that you detach. You will not forgive, but you have some compassion for the way they were and the way they were raised. There are some days that you're going to have some compassion and you'll forgive, but you'll miss them because you were with them for so many years and that detachment part's not there. There are going to be some days that you're detached and you have empathy for them, but there's no way you're ever going to forgive what they did and how they spoke to you and what that did to the family. And you're going to have to go through this dance. One of the unique facets of high-conflict divorce is trauma, which many couples experience first as children in dysfunctional families, and then again throughout their adult relationships. These marriages often ricochet between hostile behavior and tense reactivity, causing further disorder to the entire family. The Divorce Trauma Recovery Series explores the impact of mental illness, addiction, and trauma on individuals and examines some of the many modalities available to support deep healing. Welcome to Divorce Trauma Recovery, a look at alternative approaches. Today, I'm speaking with my guest, Adam, and we're talking about addiction, mental health, trauma, and how to find a path to recovery. And we're looking at everything today. So many of you are married to someone who is neurodivergent. They may be on a spectrum of autism, OCD, narcissism, um, bipolar. They may be struggling with addiction, alcoholism. They may have just intense family trauma that they're bringing to the table. And then there's your trauma, you the person who married them and what connected you and what is this bringing up in your um, family of origin issues. And so today we're going to kind of go all over the map and take a look at it. And I'm so excited to invite introduce you to my guest, Adam Jablin. He's a best-selling author, inspirational keynote speaker, transformational life coach, and spiritual and recovery mentor. In 2006, Adam got clean and sober, which unleashed many gifts that he had hidden inside. 
Adam inspires and teaches those fighting fears, alcoholism, and addiction to unleash their inner hero. And today, he's going to help you unleash yours just a little bit. Welcome, Adam. Thank you for having me, Karen. I you know if I didn't know myself, I'd be impressed. Unfortunately, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> well, we uh, grow through our own trials and tribulation, and then we get to help heal the world one person at a time, right? Amen. Yeah. And so if you could just uh, take a few minutes and introduce yourself to our listeners, I know that you know not only recovered from addiction, but we were just talking offline that you too have experienced divorce. So can you just share a little of your backstory? Sure. Well, my divorce was definitely the hardest thing that I emotionally had ever gone through. Um, it's really like there's like a death. It's a feeling of death in a way. Um, and yet all of it revolves around my recovery, to be honest. Like you said, July 14, 2006, I surrendered and went to treatment. And, you know, I was a high powered CEO high functioning, you know, you had, had the body, had the charisma, but I, my toxicity levels were through the roof. They still have them pasted where I went to treatment, the Hanley center. I mean, that was, I was that bad. And I was, I was popping pills in the morning and drinking and, you know, I ambient to sleep, uh, something to help me wake up, uh, uh, sweating it out, uh, Xanax to calm down, Percocet, Oxycontin, tequila, beer every day, you know, uppers, downers, laughers, screamers, you name it. Meanwhile, functioning, you know, getting, oh, quote unquote function. Yeah. Right. Um, and I just had a child and, uh, I was in this marriage and she hated my drinking, which led me to do more pills. And then you just start combining it. But in this treatment center was my first real taste of spirituality. My first real encounter with what a, a higher power really means and how to live a blueprint for living on how to live a clean and sober life. And it took me, I didn't realize that this was fast back in the day. It was nine days of torture. I, cause I was fighting it. I just, I was trying to be different than everybody. But on the 10th day, I had a, a really profound spiritual experience in which a part of my ego like died. Part of my, like died. It came in the form of a panic attack, believe it or not. Wow. But yeah, but a part of my ego like died. And I was suffering. And then, um, but a new part of me was reborn. And I didn't know what that new person had to look like. I didn't know if he had to be wearing a yarmulke or baptized or make a vow of poverty and wear robes. I, I just knew he was sober. And I jumped into that guy with both feet. And my whole life changed that minute. You know, my recovery, my sobriety became my number one focus because without that, I wouldn't have a wife now. I wouldn't have kids. I wouldn't have a job. Without that, you don't have nothing. So that became, and I put all of my love and my passion into, and my enthusiasm into my recovery that normally plays out into every relationship you have. It really does. It makes things better, especially for a while. Speaking of divorce, it's, it's, it's hard because, you know, I will never, ever say a bad word about my ex-wife. 
you know, and she was there for the hard times and she was there for some good times. But what really happened was it takes two people to recover. One can't stay still and the other one keep going on this personal development and spiritual growth. Right. And some major resentment starts happening underneath the surface. And, you know, we, we, we had a 20 year marriage and oh, wow. yeah, 20 years. And so I was drinking for five of them and clean and sober for 15 of them. And what eventually happened was there were enough shifts on the outside, right? A career shift, a, uh, people dying, people moving, like just everything just shifted enough that when it was, when it was time to say, look, we need to start new you know, and bet on each other. It wasn't there. It wasn't there. You were no longer aligned. It, 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 we were no longer aligned. We were no longer partners in crime. We were mm-hmm. no longer supporting and betting on each other. You know, and I don't want to point the finger. You know what I mean? But, but, and I, and I have this Superman complex. I thought I could do everything. I thought I could do enough therapy and go to do, do enough meetings and do, go to counseling for, I thought I could change. If there's gotta be something, there's gotta be something that I'm not looking at to make this work. I, I, right. Well, especially you made such a huge transition in your own life, right? And I think one of the things we talked to our listeners about is how little control we have over other human beings. And the Superman complex was, if I could do it for me, I could do it for us, I imagine. And and if you actually heard the the first word is where I got it wrong. It's the I. I I could. It it takes two. Yeah. You know what I mean? So right off the bat, I was wrong with the I, I, I can figure, I can do this. We got, you know, and, um, it just, unfortunately it, it just didn't work. Now, now I'm on the other side and there's so much, there's so much beauty that I see, Yeah. but I do need to tell you that my divorce for me personally was harder and more painful than getting clean and sober, which is why I love what you do. And I'll explain real fast. When you get clean and sober and you really give your your life to this and you really surrender to this way of life, you have a fellowship around you and you have people around you and you you have something in common and you can meet every day and talk about things and you have a, a design for living and there's you know, there's camaraderie and people have your back and there's you know you you have a place that you call home and you start developing a different language and a common language and and your recovery family becomes like a true family. Yeah. When you're going, when you're getting divorced, you're not just leaving your immediate, your real family, but there's not necessarily real support groups or, or fellowships or steps or, you know, higher powers. Or it, it's, it, you really feel like this is, you're, you're alone is how you feel. It's very and isolating. I, very isolating. So I love what you do because, uh, I, honestly, I could have used you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you. And you know what's interesting about what you're saying? I'm I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, you know, everything's an inside job, right? And divorce recovery is the same as addiction recovery in that it's an inside job. But for someone who is so passionate and is able to do what you were able to do rather quickly, there's this um, lie that, well, if I could do it for me, I could do it for we. 
and we're back in that. And and we constantly talk to our clients about the fact that you got to keep your side of the street clean. You can't cross over him or her. That's their work to do. You can't do it for them and you can't bring them along faster than they want to be brought along. Yeah. And it makes you, you know, divorce or anything like this, right? Divorce is what we're, you and I are focusing on. It really makes you take a look at your own character, your yeah. own pride and what you put like. I'll be honest with you. Did I love my ex-wife very much? Did I have a lot of pride in the tenure of the marriage? Absolutely. Which allowed me to judge other people in my mind. Right. Oh, they gave up too fast. Oh, they did. Right? Like, there, there's so much that people are not, they're, they're not really looking at the marriage between two people and the love. They're looking at the kids. What will happen? The finances. What's this going to mean to other people? How are people going to view me? Right. And that fear can be paralyzing. It can, you you could feel like you're choking. You could feel like you're suffocating. But it's so cliche because it's every meme and social media thing now. But right on the other side of that is where all your freedom and your power lay. You know, and I'll be honest with you. For me, a lot of my marriage was sometimes that pride. Of we we are sticking it out. We're sticking it out. And um, and it was it was there were some times that, you know, perhaps it could have ended earlier. But, you know, I I love that you started this story with the fact that um, your ego died because I'm a Christian. But whether you're a Buddhist or Christian or whatever your belief system is, that that died of self part. Um, is so vitally important. So many mindfulness um, teachers these days talk about how we really need to dial down the ego so that we can connect with um, our soul, our spirit, you know, something that's that's higher and greater than us. And so that to me seems like such a key. And and for those listening, I, I will, first of all, I'll say I um I went into uh, Al-Anon uh, when I was going through my divorce. There was no divorce support group. I had a therapist. I didn't. There were no divorce coaches I knew about. But that twelve-step program was um, my lifeline, and it did a couple of things for me. It really helped me learn very quickly because it's the rules of the room that you, you're not here to talk about or bash um, the other person. You're here to look at your part and. And in our world of of high conflict divorce, the high conflict personality is so big and loud and obvious that it's easy to focus all of your attention there. And yet um, everyone who's married into some kind of unhealthy relationship, a toxic relationship is bringing their own wounds, their own trauma. So I'm really excited to talk to you today about, you know, understanding the high conflict personality, which I think you can bring a lot of um, wisdom and information to, and also the person who married into it and what they need to do. Yeah. And by the way, I am a huge advocate for the 12 steps, huge advocate for the 12 steps. They're what set me free. Um, where I go, you know, it's our tradition. We, we don't talk about, it. we're kind of like fight club. What, you know, where, you know, we don't talk about fight club, but, right. um, but when it comes to those steps, I do believe that it's it's uh, it's a, one of the greatest assets anybody can do in any area of life. Divorce, alcoholism, addiction, food, shopping, you know, it, it can it allows you to go through a process of transformation. 
Yeah. 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 And I use the, um, the, the sayings and, um, you yeah. know, all of the time, like they're just such great tools to have. Well, they were fact, all stolen I, from Jesus. Say that again. They were all stolen from Jesus. So. You're right. Doing it. <laughs> right. And I had a fellow who I worked with many, many years ago and he, um, he got to the point he had two little girls and he said, and I was under a bridge with a gun and I was going to either end my life or move on. And he said, the thing is those who haven't struggled with alcohol or addiction, um, it's almost like they're not as lucky as us because we got the 12 steps and, and we have this, this program, this guideline for living such a healthy life. And it was like 20 years later and he was just constantly sponsoring and doing service. And I've spoken to so many where it, it really saved their lives. It's a gift. It's an absolute gift. Divorce is hard, but a high-conflict divorce, it's overwhelming. It involves battling not just emotional tolls, but endless court dates, hidden finances, and toxic personalities. This is your call to action. Don't miss the ultimate high-conflict divorce summit from November 13 to 17, 2023. Our summit brings together an unparalleled lineup of experts, featuring leading psychologists who demystify high-conflict personalities top financial advisors revealing strategies to uncover hidden assets, esteemed legal minds to guide you toward a favorable settlement, and renowned child experts who will arm you with the tools and tactics needed to fight effectively for custody. Act now and register for free to unlock an exclusive bounty of gifts from all 20 experts, yours just for signing up. Take back control. Visit journeybeyonddivorce.com backslash summit 2023. Register now and reclaim your future. I know you help people in all different challenges and trials and tribulations, but talk to us a little bit about your approach to let's talk about divorce and the people listening, your approach to how to begin to recover and live that best life. Yeah. Well, believe it or not, it's exactly what you just said, which is you're not going to focus on the other person. You're going to be focusing now strictly and solely on yourself. So I'm a big believer in when I'm with a client, the first thing I need to know is the causes and conditions of why I'm even there. Why are we even here talking? And when I do that, I do a thorough deep dive. I mean, I want to know their birthday, their mom, their dad, their siblings. I want to know kindergarten through fifth grade. What was, were they popular? Were they unpopular? Were they that kid? Were they the skinny kid? Were they an athlete? Did they like video games? Middle school, when was their first kiss? When was their first drink? What was their first drug? Were they popular? Were they unpopular? When did they get estrogen and testosterone? What, what, what did it look like? Did they get bar mitzvahs? Did they get baptized? Did they get, I need to know everything 
everything. Did I need to go to high school, freshman to senior year? What was that like? How was your development there? Did you Were you in a relationship? Were you in many relationships? Did you try the other sex? Did you start drinking? Did you start drugging? What was on your mind? What were your thoughts? What, what was your vision? What did you think you were going to be when you, when you got out of high school? Did you go to college? What college did you go to? Why did you go to that college? I mean, what, what was this, was it, was it pushed on you from your parents or did you was something driving you there and calling you there? And what was your four years experience like there? Did you graduate? Did you not graduate? Master, I need to go through when they, when they met their spouse, I need to go through everything to get to where I were sitting right now. And what will happen is they're telling me their story, but I'm starting to see patterns. Right. I'm starting to see, uh-huh. That happened in kindergarten and that happened in third grade and that happened in sixth grade and that, right. And uh-huh, wow. uh-huh. so I'm, see- I'm seeing, I'm, I'm watching this person evolve and unfold. The second, you know, part I do with, with anybody specifically, even in a divorce is I got to ask many times, is it true? Because specifically me, I had so many stories added to my divorce. Yep. Right. I had the family business. I had her parents. I had my parents. I had the children. I had the financial, you know, the financial situation. I had the cars. I, is this true? Is it really true? What if the opposite were true? And I go over that over and over. Is this true? Is this really true? What if the opposite were true? And now you're starting to, you know, unfortunately, my clients sometimes are very sensitive like me. So when I say the opposite, they start thinking, should I have stayed in it longer? Should I have stayed in it longer? Is the opposite true? I'm like, no. But what if the opposite were true? Because somebody else has, that partner has a different perspective on why this is it. So let's just try to find what the closest thing to the real truth is, right? Before we can really start to heal. Right, right. Because I don't want to heal some old story that's nonsense. Right, right. You know, I had a lot of nonsense stories. So healing something that's not true doesn't make any sense. It, 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 if, I, if I have cancer, but you're going to go do a, a heart surgery, then, please don't do that. Get the cancer. You know what I mean? Right. My heart's fine. You know, let, let's get to the truth. And I would imagine through that process, that kind of poking at story and what have you, you're stretching their perspective, you're getting them to be a little bit more introspective and, and right. So there's always your story, my story and the truth someplace in the middle. And so I love that process of really helping them to get there. Then I shock them because again, they really want to focus on the divorce which is going to be there the entire time. So I have to start t- working on their mindset, their spirituality, their emotional muscles, and their physical well-being. Mindset actually also encaptures in- finances because divorce is expensive and it's painful. Now, I am not telling them how to manage their money. I'm not telling them what attorney to use. I'm not telling anybody like that. that that's way off base. But I am trying to explain to them that they need to calm down the nervous system because if they make a decision financially from that place, nine yeah. out of 10 times it's going to be wrong, right? And it could be from pride. It could be from anger. It could be from fear. And you never want to make a decision on anything from that place. So we really start working on the entire person and they, they kind of get a little shifty, right? Because they, 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 they want to focus on th- this is the problem. She's the problem. He, the, don't you see that's the problem. It's like, yeah, no, 
as a matter of fact, that was a man. Remember that story you told me? That is a manifestation of this happened, that that happened, that that happened, that that happened, that that. You know what I mean? And if we don't solve this now, when this divorce is done, guess what? You're going to be attracted to the same exact model. That's what we say all the time. You're going to you're going to date the same person in a different body. You're going to rinse and repeat and then you're going to blame them. And exactly. so. Right. Right. And so I want to I want to understand a little bit more about um, the spiritual part of it, because I, I find that I, I, I speak about it. I coach about it. And then every now and again, I I've I've coached people who are like, um, I have no I have no spiritual foundation. So I, I want to hear how you. Those are my favorite blank, clean slates. Delicious. So, so finding some of the dogma and the, you know, the trauma sometimes can be a little difficult, right. but blank slates, you know, clean slates, because they have more spirituality than they ever believed. Yeah. So talk a little bit about how you work with people on the spirituality front, the kinds of questions you ask or what you're, how you're trying to help them move toward what makes sense for them. It, it really depends on the person because I need to get a common language and a common bond. Um, other than that, it could sometimes maybe even come off a little preachy. So you have to find a common language. If they are an athlete, I speak in, I speak in terms that they understand, right? As in, um, I have, I've had many male and female athletes, right? So Mm -hmm. let's just use something that's very easy, but no spirituality. Okay, great. You know who Michael Jordan is? Yes, of course. You know who Kobe Bryant is? Yes, of course. You know the Bulls and the Lakers? Yes, of course. Well, they were coached when they won their championships. All of them were one with a coach named Phil Jackson. Have you heard of Coach Phil Jackson? Yeah, yeah. Well, Coach Phil Jackson was known as the as the Zen master. And he was, you know, he he brought in Indian, Christian, and Buddhist philosophies into the locker room. And it was all about of a letting go of self and becoming part of a team and becoming part of a spirit, a winning spirit. You know what I mean? So I, and I would explain when Michael had the ball, he could not get past the Detroit Pistons because they knew where the ball was going to be. He was so good that he could bring him up to a game seven. He was that good on his own, but he would lose every time. But coach Phil Jackson taught him the spirit of sharing Tom, the spirit of letting go and surrendering a little bit of your game to be able to master and to win, that no man is an island, that there is something bigger going on. So I start, so that's an athlete, but I go with any person I can. But yep. you go, I go to movies, <sighs> you know what I mean? I go, right. I, what theme I can use, even if it's all the way down to, I have no faith. Do you drive? Yes. So you, you realize that every morning you get in a car Right. And you just believe that the person on the other side of the road is not drinking is, is not going to ram. You just say, what is what would you call that? What is it that that's blind faith? That's faith. You know? So I, I break it down to something very yep. simple. And if they had biblical teachings, be it Christianity, Catholicism, Judaism, I'm well, Buddhist, I'm, I'm well versed in that as well, because I love it. Um, but what, what I've tended to see is that for my clients, they lost that direct relationship connection, that direct connection. And that needs to be nurtured. It needs to be, that relationship needs to be nurtured. 
And that power is always there. That's why I tell them when they hear that, they're like, oh, have I been ignoring God? No, no, no. The power has been there the entire time. We need to nurture something in you to open up to it. It's not the power. The power is yeah, not It didn't going. go away. Yeah. You know, it's like electricity. It's in the house. You know what I mean? If you leave right. the lights off, it's not like it's not there. It's right. constantly offering grace. It's constantly offering love. It's constantly offering passion. It's constantly offering guidance. But if you leave the lights off, that's where it's right. going to stay. So we need to slowly turn the lights on. Beautiful. And yeah, so it's like, it's almost like you're, you're, you're deaf and blind to something that's there. And when you awaken to it, um, it's there for you and you can begin to tap into it. You said something offline that I loved. We were talking about people who get stuck and stuck in resistance, stuck in fear. Um, and you talked about how there's a muscle that they need to strengthen. Can you share a little bit about that? Because I think that'll really resonate with our listeners. Absolutely. That it's a courage muscle that's atrophied that they don't realize. They don't realize the muscles atrophied and they don't realize it's courage because nine out of 10 times they are crushing it in some area of life that masks how afraid they really are. So they're crushing it in business and they're an amazing attorney and they're an amazing marketer. And they, you know, and they, and they, they brought the company from here to here and they know how to make millions of dollars and they show up to practice for their kids. And they, you know, I mean, I'm telling you, they check every box, right? But they're miserable. They're alone inside. They're sad. They, they're not in a relationship that gives them love, that gives them life, that gives them passion. They feel like they're living Groundhog's Day every single day. But what's happening is all of these minor little wins is making them feel, making them believe, right? That, well, I can change it. And I could shift this. I could. And what's really happening is that courage muscle of saying, I am miserable. I am not happy. I am going to finally have the talk. I don't know where the talk leads. It can go into counseling. It can go into an attorney's office. It could end everything. I could end up in an apartment tonight. But I'm going to have the talk. That's courage. And that's so scary. Um, so, you know, so many of our clients, and especially if you have children, it's like, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I know today's misery. I can I can live with today's misery. Another day, another week, another year. But but I don't know what's around the corner, and I don't know what's going to happen to me financially, and I don't know if I'm going to see my kids enough, and I don't know if I'm going to ever talk to my in laws again, and I don't know if half of my friends going to walk away from me. And so it's it's divorce is such an upending transition. It's just it's just the whole enchilada is changing. And so the fear and the stories that you were just talking about, along with that atrophied courage muscle, uh, make it so hard. I know I was just telling a client, like my bones were shaking when I made the decision. I could literally feel my entire body shaking with the first five or six proclamations that I made. And uh, it's hard. It's really, really hard. Really hard. And for many of us, probably your clients, my clients as well, is what happened is they've made this accountability muscle so big that they're like, what do you mean I don't have courage? Right. Well, look, 
I'm telling you right now, it's easy for Michael Phelps to swim. So you going to the business every day and making millions of dollars and going and showing up at your kids' practice, it's easy for Michael Jordan to play basketball. I'm asking you to do so that your, your, your accountability, your perfectionism is masking your – what's wrong with saying I don't have the courage inside? Because this is something completely different. This is completely different. You're actually going to be speaking to somebody that you made vows with to stay with forever – something's not right. Way different muscle. So I have to make sure that I applaud the accountability muscle Mm -hmm. and show them what a great father and mother and partner and whatever they are. I have to make sure that they they understand, you know, listen, what you're doing, 50% of the people don't even do. But you're miserable. Right. Right. Yeah, you're you're not living your best life. You know, I want to pivot now because what I would love for you to do coming coming from addiction and addiction recovery. And, you know, we talked about the various mental health issues one might face or trauma for for the person who's attempting to divorce that person. One of the things we talk about so much is finding your way first to detachment then to forgiveness, and then to compassion. And I think in today's day and age, there's a lot of people out there who are villainizing, he's a narcissist and she's a narcissist and and they're bad people and they're evil and they're toxic and stay away from them. And they're human beings who who are broken, who are struggling. Can you speak a little bit to that difficult personality that our listeners are trying to divorce um, with that lens of understanding and compassion? It's difficult. And it hits home. What I would say is, let's use the body again. It was detachment, compassion, empathy. Is that how 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 does your stages go? I want to make sure forgiveness, detachment, forgiveness, compassion. Detachment, forgiveness, compassion. Okay, you're going to be working on detachment with your coach, Karen. And believe it or not, you may jump to compassion, and then second guess the the first part and then just want to forget and you're going to, and what, what you need to realize is if I took you in for a workout and I did, I said, we're going to do an Arnold Schwarzenegger workout and he used to do chest and back, right? What you're not realizing is your arms are still moving the weight. Okay. You're not working out your arms, but your arms are getting exercise. Trust me. Right. I know it's a chest day and it's a back day. I know those are the muscles we're going to focus on. But everything is getting exercised at the same time. Even when you walk from equipment to equipment, we're moving our legs, we're moving our abdominals, or okay, we're getting so there are things that you're not thinking of. As you go to each stage, you're going to jump back and forth. It's it's just a natural progression. And what I beg of you to do, especially if you're with Karen or myself, is let's exercise every last. Set every last ounce of love 
and willpower and, and because we don't want you to have to get divorced. If you have this much left in the tank, still fight for it. God can break that open real fast, but you will know if you're really done. And when you're really done, you're going to have to dance between detachment, forgiveness, and compassion. There'll be days that you detach. You will not forgive, but you have some compassion for the way they were and the way they were raised. There are some days that you're going to have some compassion and you'll forgive, but you'll miss them because you were with them for so many years and that detachment part's not there. There are going to be some days that you're detached and you have empathy for them, but there's no way you're ever going to forgive what they did and how they spoke to you and what that did to the family. And you're going to have to go through this dance. And it, it's, it's, I wish there was a day that I could tell you, you wake up and all of it's gone. For me, it was a process. And believe it or not, I think it's healthy to admit it still is a process because then you're still in a relationship with that person. If you have children yeah. and it can, I'm telling you, there are days that I am, I have compassion so much compassion and I'm completely detached, but that pride guy, I'm not forgiving. You, I, she has no idea. She has no idea what I went through. Like, like, and then, Oh, I forgive, you know, I forgive and I have compassion, but I'm like, boy, I, I missed home life. I miss what it was like, you know, and, and I'm, you know, and this is years down the road. Yeah. So I think if they could just realize that, being with somebody like you is the greatest thing they can have because doing that on your own, which I did is scary. Yeah. It's scary. And uh, the one thing I did do right was I exercised every last bit of love, passion, courage, faith, energy, you name it. And, I mean, to the point that the kids were like that, maybe it's time you leave the house, you know, yeah. And it wasn't fighting. It was that cold. The energy in the place, you could feel it. It felt like a dead body was there. It was just like strangers. It was over. Yeah, I I think that um, it is, it's such a journey. And I know for myself, I divorced in 2006, so it was forever ago. Um, But when I divorced, I thought, there is no bloody way I am ever going to have compassion or forgiveness for this man. Like there's just too much hurt. And, and it was a journey and the detachment came first, just work on detachment. And then can you dip your toe in forgiveness? And I think what makes forgiveness so hard for people who are co-parenting post-divorce with that same personality that may not be doing any of their own work is the offense continues to happen over and over again. And so it takes such a huge, um, huge effort. And, you know, my saying is just be love. Like I'm always saying, just show up as love. And if you can, if you can shrink your ego down, which is vitally important, which is why I love that you said that it's like, if I'm coming at it with all the self, then I'm offended and you're an asshole and there is no forgiveness, but, but the dance, the pendulum back and forth and the ongoing practice and just dipping your toe in a little bit more and a little bit more, 
Um, and even if that person never changes, uh, that's one of the things that that we work with clients on so much. If he or she never changes, um, a saying I raised my kids on is don't ever let someone else's bad behavior determine yours. So you show up in the grace and dignity that you want to be in. Um, but I love how you describe that because that's exactly what it is. It's a pendulum and you bounce back and forth. And every time it's an opportunity to dig a little deeper, heal a little bit more, shed a little bit more of the self, right? I feel this voice telling me that I should I should admit something, right? I sometimes I listen to your podcast. I've listened and and one of the things I think is very healthy to admit is if I'm sounding wise and if I'm sounding like I've been through it, please also know the way I know the way out is by so many mistakes. Only a couple of months ago, only a couple of months ago, I was not on my spiritual game. And we got in my ex-wife and I got into some text war like we were a kindergartner. I mean, name calling, uh, good riddance. Thank God I never was with you back and forth. Right. And and what I am here to admit is I can't speak for her, but I can speak for me. One was I felt I owed an amends. Mm-hmm. Two, <clears throat> I, it, during it, I felt you know, that anger is a charge, you know, but right after I had such a hangover and I felt like I relived my entire divorce. Yeah. And it made me sick. You know, like, and so what I'm trying to say is like self, like do this self, like don't behave like that selfishly because no matter how good it feels in that moment, you will feel so gross after, you know, as a matter of fact, if I really want to be Mr. Spiritual, the idea of uh, the amount of money I paid and the amount of money I paid to attorneys, I should actually just be like, I don't even have to do this anymore. (laughs) You know what I mean? But I, it just, you know, 20 years conditioning, you know, so it's that dance. And so it's great when I'm with somebody else because it helps heal me. It helps heal them. And and I, I'm outside of myself and something really special is going on. However, if you were to examine every part of my life and be a fly on a camera, you will see, oh, you want to know how he knows this? Because of all the shots he missed. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I love that you said that, because those of us who are out there working with people, um, we're as imperfect as you are. We may be a little bit further along the path. We may have done a little bit more work, but nobody has a past more sloppy than mine. I mean, you know, there's a there's a ton of brokenness and mistakes and bad choices and reactivity that led me to, you know, to my point where my life began to change. And so I I appreciate you acknowledging that. Um, So if you were to share uh, one or two uh, tools or strategies that you find are incredibly helpful for people as they're trying to make this transition into a healthier place, uh, what would those be? Number one would be, uh, I'm speaking to people, I do not want to be promoting you or me. I'm a big believer in what we do. One is I would say, please, for the love of God, get some outside help. Get a coach, get a therapist. Just you don't have to do this alone. And 
I know what that conversation is like in your head. And I know all the personalities in that room. You know, there's let, let me use a male figure because I'm a male. There's the dad. There's the guy that will never let go of his marriage. He made vows. Right. There's a guy that's like, do you know how many women I could get if I just let her go? Do you know what? The, do you know what I could be doing? Do you know? There's the, the the little guy scared about the finances. What does this look like to have half? There's a guy. There's all these personnel and they're talking to each other constantly. And you need to be able to say this out loud to someone so they could show you what the truth is. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. The second thing I would do is to please. In some way, shape, or form through either the physical body, through looking into meditation, churches, synagogues, mosques, whatever, through reading, try to enhance your inner life. Sometimes people need to change their physiology first, believe it or not. You know, I'm, I'm not somebody that goes, oh, if you're focusing on the body, the spirituality is not there. That's not true. No, maybe for some bodybuilders, you know, they, they have a show coming up. It's got nothing to do with God. They got to have better biceps or a football. But, but, you know, somehow, some way get into some form of transformation that is going to make you feel better. Could be physical, could be mental, could be emotional, could be spiritual. And I'm not the, you know, I, when I'm with the client, I'll help you pick. But once you start doing some things for you, little things will, the things that you end up worrying about the most kind of start taking care of themselves, which is really weird. And then you start realizing that in between these little cracks were so many little things that you could do to actually help yourself. But you were worrying about the big picture, which has nothing to do with you. You know, it has to do with God or attorneys or I mean, it just it has nothing to do with you. But you're focused on that part like you can control it. So those are the two things. Find somebody, an outside reference, an outside source, coach, whatever you feel is right for you. Um, I love coaching. I love what we do because I really believe therapy is for discovery. You're going to discover why you behave the way you do. You're going to discover all these things about you. It's a lot of discovery. Um, I'm not, I, I, and I'm a big proponent of therapy. I love therapy. However, a coach, that stuff is great, but it's like, where are we going? And that's the recovery. I'm glad you understand. You know, that's great. I'm glad you understand why you behave the way you do. Fantastic. How are we going to change and modify that behavior? You know, and and not that some therapists really do focus on that, but most of the times if they're really, really good therapists, really good, they're going to suggest some outside sources. Yeah. Because they know that they're there for therapy. Right. Yeah, it's it's and it's such a beautiful a lot of our clients will do have like a therapist one week and a coaching session the next. And it's like you discover, you recover, you discover, you recover. And and that action part that the coach brings in moving you forward, I think, makes um, makes a world of difference when you're trying to transition to a better way of living your life, whatever that tribulation is. I love that. Yeah. Like, like a muscle, right? You stretch, and you squeeze, you stretch yep. and you squeeze and, and it builds. Yeah. Beautiful. You have a free gift for our listeners. So if there's any last statements you'd like to make, I want to invite you to do that and then share what your gift is and how our listeners can find you. 
Absolutely. So my listener, your listeners, your listeners can find me at Adam Javelin anywhere. So it's adamjavelin.com, Adam Javelin on Instagram, Adam Javelin um, at LinkedIn, Adam Javelin here, Adam Javelin there. And uh, what we have, what we have is a free um, my, my hero seven series. So I'm a big believer in the hero, the hero's journey, you know, Joseph Campbell and, yep. and, 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 but, but I do believe in it. I really do believe that there's, there's fear and there's call to action and there's a mentor and there's developing all these skills that you didn't know if it was a force or if it's Superman or whatever, you know what I mean? Whatever it is. And then you, there's, there's facing the demon, facing the dragon, facing Darth Vader, facing yourself and then coming home and, and figuring out who you really are. So my heroes, my seven, my hero seven series kind of takes you through some of the processes of going through that. Uh, in a way that's it's a quick video series. It's fun. It's entertaining. And it's for your listeners. It's free. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you You're so welcome. much. This was a great conversation. I am so impressed with the journey that you've been on. And I love the the tips and guidance. And I love your paradigm of of the superhero and the hero. And um, I I believe that you've really instilled some very um, valuable perspectives with our listeners. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I, I've heard about you for a long time and I was, I read a whole bunch of your materials and listened. So to several of your podcasts and uh, I was, I was flattered when this was finally able to come together. Wow. This was great. It's definitely going to bring a lot of value. Thank you so much. And we'll be back again real soon with another episode of Divorce Trauma Recovery, a look at alternative approaches. Until then, you take care. You've been listening to our podcast, Getting Educated, Regulating Your Emotional Reactions, and it's been really helpful. Yet you know you could do better, be better, and you're wanting and needing more support. That's where our coaching service is a game changer. We're here for you when you need us the most, ensuring you have all the tools and resources at your fingertips, guiding and supporting you to be more effective. Our free rapid relief call helps you gain a broader perspective, commit to your best next steps, and determine what coaching support is right for you. Visit rapidreliefcall.com to book your call today. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one -on -one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.